Hello, ladies and gentlemen. How the devil is everyone? Welcome to another episode of Sarah Marin, a horror fan. I'm Simon. I'm Lee. Mate, you're drinking water. I am. Crazy. Uh, welcome once again to another glorious episode. This episode, from at least from my side, is sponsored by Monster Juiced Monarch Edition. We are not sponsored. On my end, we are sponsored by good old-fashioned Council Pop. Tap water. Tap was... <laughs> I love how, like, did we say when we watched that video, did they say that they had Monarch in America? Was it one of the ones that they did have? Yes, but it's called something different. And you don't drink tap water in America because it's gross. Yeah, true. So in all states. <laughs> so I didn't know that. When I went to America as a kid, I wasn't aware of, like, the fluoride situation. Yeah. So, like, the hotel we were staying in, I was just, like, getting glasses of water, and I was like, this is grim. Why is this grim? And it's, like, due to over-fluoride or a lack of fluoride? I, I like, don't know. I have no idea. There's fluoride. Where do we sit with fluoride? Good fluoride the shit they put in toothpaste. Yes. There you go. So, this is a lovely Crossing the Stream episode, and in today's episode, we are going to be looking at the remake of the 1982 seminal, inspirational, influential, groundbreaking slasher movie, Slumber Party Massacre. And today we are looking at the 2021 question mark. 2021 sci-fi channel original. It's not a sci-fi, it's Seafy. Seafy. Remake. <coughs> yeah. So this version of it was written by Suzanne Keely? Kelly. We're going to go with Keely. Where are we at with English? Is it two E's and an L or is it two L's and an E? It's K E I L L Y. You're on your own kid. You're on your own kid. Uh, who wrote The Warrior Nun after this? Mate, I am. Uh, she also wrote an episode of Ash vs. Evil Dead. I'm really sorry, and they're probably people are going on the internet going to come for my head, but I am sick to death of seeing about Warrior Nun because Netflix cancelled it. So like, the fucking internet like shit. They were not happy, yeah. And like, I saw a fucking poster the other day, right? I was looking up something about Download Festival on Twitter, and it had like a hashtag. It was like hashtag Download, hashtag DL23, hashtag Save Warrior Nun. And I've no, I don't know if you've ever noticed this. Like, sorry, it's a weird tangent, but I don't know if you've ever noticed this by not being terminally on social media. But people will signal boost their own things by randomly inserting a hashtag into like something that is a trending topic. Yeah. So I'll be like, oh, Monday Night Raw, and then it'll be like Monday Night Raw. Like, save Warrior Nun, save Warrior Nun on Netflix, save Netflix, bring it back Netflix. And it's like... I have, but on Tumblr, of people putting tags in, because if you search a tag, it brings yeah. up a post, much like most social media. But, like, I'll be looking up, like, the leverage tag or, like, a show I like, and porn bots will have used it as a tag, and I'm like, for fuck's sake. Yeah. I don't want tits. Yeah. I mean, I always want tits, but not at this current moment. So, Where yeah. Where are we at with tits? I got a little bit like, hey, look, man, you guys do you, but when I'm looking up, like, stuff I want to be looking up, like, I don't want to be seeing hashtag say warrior. I don't even know what a warrior nun is. I don't really know. 
Because they, they, there was a thing a couple of years back, might even be less than that, when like Winona Earp got fucking cancelled and everyone went apeshit over saving that as well. And they were like, we need to save this show. It was good and stuff. And Netflix was like, laugh. Netflix was like, laughs in password sharing. Pretty much. Um, did you hear that? Apparently that's working for Netflix. Oh, really? Yeah. I think they're full of bullshit. Um, well... Um, weird, weirdly enough, my dad texted me the other day to say that he'd signed up for Netflix. So he'd signed up for a new Netflix account, but then he was saying that he was still able to access all the profiles on the previous one that he shared from us. So I don't know if it, like, recognised the fact that he used to use an old Netflix account linked to that IP. You know how, like, sometimes if you use, like, a VPN yeah. and you watch an American thing on, like, an English And then one, when it comes over, immediately yeah. adds it to your English phrase. I don't... Maybe. But, like, I said to... he still has it, your dad. Yeah, so my dad was saying... Because he, te- he texted me the other day and he was like, oh, I can still watch Netflix, by the way. And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, is it allowing you to watch stuff? And he's like, well, yeah, I just signed up for Netflix and it's allowing me to, like, watch stuff on your profile, your sister's profile, like... The original profile that we had. So he is so odd. Yeah, but I don't know if it's just because maybe he was like logged into that account and then he tried to like he set up a Did new account. Did he definitely account. log out of my account? Yeah, maybe. And then he's obviously signed up for a new one, so they can see now that he's paying for it. But they've kind of just left him logged into that one. I don't really know how it works. If anyone can shed any light on it, that'd be really helpful. But um, yeah, so there you go. Hashtag you go. save Warren. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just about to take some. Painkillers. Painkillers, because my throat is swelling up due to some... Did you not take some dance? I took some ibuprofen. I'm now about to take some paracetamol. Because okay. I'm like, I'm going to just gangbang pills in my throat. Fair enough. Uh, so, directed by Dineshka Esterhazy. Yeah? Is that right? Danishka, yeah. It was as close as we've got with any names. Director of the previously covered... The Banana Splits movie. Banana Splits. Uh, Casway's in this film. So we've got Hannah Ganera as Dana Devereux. Francis Sholto-Douglas as Meave. Maeve. Meave. 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 Uh, Milo Rain as Alex. Alex McGregor as Breeny. That's not a fucking name. Uh, Reese Tiana Wessels as Ashley. Uh, Rob Van Vuren as Rustle, <coughs> Jennifer Stein as Kaythorn, Shailene Bennett, I'm assuming that's how you pronounce her name, as Trish Devereaux, uh, Mazali Baduza as young Trish Devereaux. That's where we're going. Uh, and then we have, I'm assuming that, yeah, are these the boys, right? Uh, Mitchell Lawrence Potter as John. Yeah. Eden Classens as Matt. Is there a Matt? Maybe. Uh, Nathan Castle as Sean. Richard White as Guy 1. Braden Buys as Guy 2. And I don't know who Dave is, so we're just going to skip Dave. Isn't Dave the geezer who, like, got fucked up outside? Isn't he the one who's all like, I see you, motherfucker? Because there's six guys, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. And then guy one no, there's not. There's only four or five of them. There's the four in the house. Oh, Dave's the mechanic guy. Dave's the mechanic guy who's Richard Wright first. There we go. We got there in the end. Um, so this film, I'm really intrigued as what the budget was for this film. If we have twenty those pounds details. and a packet of crisps. Uh, we do not have those details. Thanks, got. Um, so a remake of the 1982 slasher film about sorority girls attacked by a manic killer with a large electric drill. 
only one of those facts is actually still true in this movie. Mm-hmm. And can that you, is that the killer has a large electric drill. Can you Google for me Slumber Party Massacre franchise? Because there was a spin-off set of films that was part of the same franchise and I can't remember what it was called. And I just think it would be helpful to bring it into the discussion. We're doing it live, guys. We're doing it live. And I type very slow. Everybody should know by now that we're woefully underprepared. No, not grand. Franchise. Uh... Massacre franchise. Slumber Party. The Cheerleader Massacre. Yeah. Sorority House Massacre. Shaw Kansas Women's Prison Massacre. Yeah, I think it was the I think it was the like sorority one. Slumber Party Massacre, Slumber Party Massacre Two, Slumber Party Massacre Three, Slumber Party Massacre the reboot. Uh, Sorority House Massacre, which there was three of them. Apparently, there was a fourth one, but there's no actual date Mm. information for that. And the Cheerleader Massacre. Yeah. So the cool thing about this franchise is they're all written and directed by women. Mm-hmm. It says in there Roger Corman's like 1982 one, but I'm pretty sure Roger Corman only produced it and only like stuck his name on it because I'm almost 100% confident every movie in this franchise was written and directed by a woman. So I think they just put Roger Corman's name on it, like how they did with like Piranha. Actually, I think he directed Piranha, but that's not besides the point. I'm pretty confident every movie in the Slumber House, Slum, Slumber House, Slumber Party Massacre franchise is written directed by women. That's like its calling card. Uh, the first one, Amy, jo- Amy Hon Jones and Rita yeah. May Brown. Yeah. So Roger Corman just popped his name on it. Mm. Yes. Little lad. Yeah. Um, I like Rog. Sure. Do you remember when he cameoed in Scream Three and it was great? And we covered one of his movies. We covered the uh, the Mask of the Red Death, <coughs> which is a great film. I remember that. That movie's fucking great. Um, so yeah, Slumber Party Massacre. Yes. Uh, I had very little in the way of expectations going into this as a remake because I've never seen any of the original franchise. No. Nope. Obviously, having watched numerous hours of In Search of Darkness, I've obviously seen clips from them. Uh, and obviously different slasher documentaries and shit like that. So I obviously knew the premise of the movie. And there's a there's a similar film called Pieces as well, which came out around about the same time. Um, but yeah, I only really wanted to see this movie because I like the Banana Splits movie. And I, I kind of think that, at, that Danishka Esterhazy is one of those directors that they've not... Like, I think she could be, like, fantastic if they gave her a budget. Like, she could be, like, Lee Janiac levels of, like, good if they actually gave her, like, a decent budget and a decent script. Yeah. Not to say that I didn't like the Banana Splits movie, because I did. And I think they did a lot with, like, the obvious, like, budgetary limitations. Mm-hmm. This, however, is a completely different ball game. This movie is, like, not serious at all. Which is yeah. weird, because it's covering serious subjects, but it does it in, like, a tongue-in-cheek, kind of, like, poking fun at it kind of way. Yeah. Like, the movies I referenced to you when we were watching this are movies like Stage Fright, the one with Meatloaf, and, uh, like, Final Girls. Mm. Like, it had, a, like, a Final Girls vibe to it. Yes. Um, you can you can clearly tell that it's a sci-fi original. Because, um, obviously, the, again, much like the previous movie, which was a sci-fi origin, uh, original, there are obvious budgetary limitations. Yeah. 
there are obviously acting limitations and yes. scripting limitations. Yes. However, we are looking at a fucking remake of a 1982 slasher movie. So I don't really have high expectations when I go into a slasher movie. I know it's not going to be great. Yeah. But like I like there are there are bad movies that I love because they're bad movies. Swim Fan is a movie that I've seen more times than I will ever admit to, but I love it because it's like it's a shit film. Yeah. And like this this was one of those movies where we were like I think probably about half an hour into it and you were like I am not into this. This is fucking garbage. Like this is a one-star movie. Like I am not feeling this. And then like the 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 reversal happens. Mm. And I think what they do with this movie ultimately is actually very clever in keeping in line with what the original franchise was and like what where we are as a society. But before I get way too much into this, mm-hmm. I want to hear some of your thoughts on it. But so let, let, give me a little, give me a little. So yeah, you are right. About for the first half an hour of this film, I was a bit like, "This is fucking shit." Not into it. Sorry, Danishka. Don't like it. It's just a really poorly done slasher film, which is what it is. The first half an hour. Let's be honest. Yeah. Hits every note you expect. That's one. On Sorry, your, guys. On your um, <clears throat> and yeah, so I was just a bit like, oh, this is. Yeah. And then you're right, that twist happens the switcheroo. The. the and you're like, oh, okay, right. I mean, I think it takes a little bit too long to get to that point, because by that point, if I was watching this on my own, not for podcast, I would have pieced out. Yeah. Um, but the twist is really fun. Like when they all drag the weapons out. Yeah. It's a great little like. Oh, okay, right. This has suddenly got a lot more interesting than what we had been given up until this point. Um, but no, I ended up actually really enjoying it. There was a few really great fucking scenes that I was like, oh, this is fucking hilarious. And I love it. Because it is very much... I feel like it, for a good chunk of it, it's a horror comedy. Yeah. I think I think the movie is much more satirical and subversive than I think people were expecting. Yes. Um, and I like I like the fact that they really lean into... Because from, like, from my limited knowledge of the franchise, I think, like... The part, a large part of the reason why women directed the original set of films was because they were poking fun at that idea of like, you know, typically in the 80s, like the late 70s, early 80s, like the slasher movies were like, everybody got their tits out, women were expendable, women were seen as pieces of meat, and like the killer's weapon was like an extension of like the penis metaphor. So it yeah. was like men hunting women, usually in like a sexually aggressive way to punish women for being, like, independent. And there's a great, like, like interview, I think it is, with Siskel and Ebert, where they basically say exactly the same thing. I've basically paraphrased, like, their, their interview. And I like the fact that this franchise is the one where they're like, okay, so let's really run with that and make it over the top. So the fucking killer has, like, a comically large fucking drill, and he's like one of those people who's like obviously sexually repressed and he's obviously like 
a bit like Norman Bates if he was turned up to a thousand and a creep rather than like somebody who had like genuine mental illness. Mm. Um, and I think that's like the it's he, he very much like I can't think of what the phrasing is that I'm trying to use, but he's very much the guy like the killer in this movie and the killers in this franchise are very much the guy who like randomly slides into a woman's Intel. DMs on Instagram and they're like oh, you're really hot, like, let me take you out on a date. And then a woman's like, I have a boyfriend. He's like, you're a fucking ugly bitch anyway, and I fucking hate you. I hope you fucking die. Incel. Like, he is very much, yeah, like, he is very much that guy. It's, and, like, I, li- I like the fact that they really lean into that, but they also make the female characters in the movie, like, super capable. Like, that, like, and the guys, in a really weird, funny, like, way, the guys are, like, the ones who are, like, they're the ones with their shirts off having the slumber party who are like fucking useless who can't defend themselves we yeah, get that really a... fucking weird shower scene at the end we do and there's a great <laughs> scene I think it's the first time they kind of really lean into this subversion is when Guy Wan dies yeah and he like trips over nothing and then he can't get up and he's like scrambling and his little gazelle legs are like oh no I can't stand up and you're like oh this has happened to so many women in films it's fucking ridiculous. And then the shower scene uh, with like the gratuitous over the like way too long, completely unnecessarily dude having a shower. And like the weird There's 80s butt music. shots as well. Yeah. Like he gets his butt out for the art, which I appreciate. You thought you'd have there is. Normally, in one in these films, there's a gratuitous shower scene of like some naked girl having a shower. It's completely unnecessary. I do like that they put the nod to that in yeah. this. I think it went on a little bit too long. I could have done without the second killer. Yeah, the whole, like, Jason and Jason's mum shit. Yeah, yeah, like, I thought they were setting up the guy from the camp to be, like, the second mm. killer. Yeah, I think I think they killed, like, spoilers alert, I think they killed Ross Thorn off way too quickly and way too easily in this movie. And, like, I I kind of... They kill him off about half an hour before the end of the movie. So you've got like half an hour left of movie. And I think he go like personally, I think he goes out like a bitch. But again, I think that's kind of It's the on point. purpose. Yeah, like it's kind of the point of like there's a line in this where I think she says like I think the main girl who is like the daughter of the girl from the first massacre, she's like Dana, I think her name is, and she's like you know, Russ Thorne needs to realise that there are consequences for, like, what he's done and we are those consequences. And, um, yeah, like, I think, the, I think like, the after effect of them killing him and just beating his dead body is a bit, a bit much, but I understand why it's there. But, yeah, the whole second killer thing I could have, like, done without. Like, it would have made, in the context of the film and what the film is trying to say about men versus women in, like, the context of how society treats them, it would have made more sense if the killer was like the guy's son, um, and it's like a generational like thing of like he has raised his son to be this way, blah blah blah. But yeah. I I I kind of didn't mind the reveal of like I I, I think the thing of it being his mum was a bit stupid, but when she's all like, oh I fucking did it because like my son couldn't control himself around you guys and like you murdered him and I'm like this makes a ton of sense because there are a lot of women out there that will defend like friends or boyfriends or like fucking 
you know, sons and stuff like that. You like you see it all the time, like when someone gets arrested for like rape or whatever, and their mum's like, "Oh, he wouldn't fucking do that. It's all the girls' fault." And I'm like, yeah. "You're a fucking idiot. Like, why, why, why are you like this? Like, yeah. you know, raise your son to be better. Don't raise women to like, like, don't expect women to be afraid of shitty men. Like, raise men to be better." Mm-hmm. Like, and that's kind of like, so like the justification of why she was doing it and stuff, I thought was like, okay, it makes sense in the context of the movie. But yeah, I do agree that we could have done without like the fucking uh, second killer and that whole like, rev- like yeah. secret thing going on for too long. But yeah. yeah. And the thing is, it was, it was wildly obvious because the minute you see the cookies, I was like, oh shit. Yeah, of course. That makes perfect sense. Cookie woman. Cookie woman. It makes perfect fucking sense. I was like, oh, so she's the second killer then. Yeah. Which, yeah, it just seemed like a bit of a lazy choice. Yeah. And the thing is as well, like... Like, I like the idea... Like, one thing I do like about this movie is the fact that you don't really know a lot about who Russ Thorne is. Like, I appreciate that because I think sometimes in slasher movies it gets a bit... As much as I love, and you guys know this, you guys know that I love a villain monologue. Like, I don't always need to know everything about my villain or where they come from or, like, what... Sh- Sometimes I think it's just, like, he's a random dude. He just kills people. I'm like, cool, I'm I'm good to go. Like, So yeah. I, I like the fact that they didn't try to over-explain who he was and, like, they didn't make him superhuman. Like, I like the fact that there was a second killer to kind of explain how the killings carried on towards the end. Yeah. Like, because I'd have been fucking pissed if, like, you watched him get his, like, throat cut and then, like, have him fucked up. And then they're like, oh, yeah, he's just a dude, but he's back. Because powers, I would have been a bit like, this is nonsense. But yeah. um, I there's there's little subtle things in this movie that I love as well. Like, going back to what you were saying about Guy 1 and 2... I like the fact that they make references to the fact that two of the guys who get killed in the group are called Guy. He's called Guy. Because it it goes back to that kind of like 80s thing of like, these characters are expendable. They don't actually need names. By the time you've learnt their name, they're fucking dead. Yeah. So like, I quite like that little joke of like, realistically, who who the fuck cares? Like, um, what did you, what did you, because I think this has, because I have like, this movie's been out for a couple of years now. And I think this was a source of contention when it came out. And I think it's still a source of contention among fans now. In the same way that the Black Christmas like remake remake was. Like, how did you feel about like the feminist leanings and the female like empowerment of this movie? I mean, you're talking to a feminist, so it like I didn't even bother me. Like... Yeah, like I I like that it was done in like more of a like satirical way of like it was a subversion. It was it was really heavily treated as satire. Mm. Um, like you, it wasn't supposed to be like a serious film. Whereas I do feel like a lot of the films that come under fire for stuff like this, especially horror remakes, uh, they take themselves very seriously. Yeah. Whereas this one, it's it like it is a feminist remake. Don't get me wrong, but it's. It's done in a satirical way where I feel like it gets the message across quite well without shoving it down your throat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as someone who's never seen any other horror feminist remake, because uh, I've not seen, I don't think I've seen any of the um, like big ones. 
Mm. See, I I was in two minds about it, but like before the internet. But the thing is, as well though, is the original sort of like massacre movies are kind of yeah. feminist films anyway. Yeah, like my my kind of like flip flopping of it was like I I love like I love the fact that the girls had a plan and that they were going to go there and that they were they like... Had a route, they had a plan. They were, like, actually capable characters. Like, I like the fact that as the movie goes on, like, the characters become, like, more three-dimensional and you kind of realise that they are, like... Obviously, they can protect themselves and stuff like that. What I didn't like was, like, the little jabs from, like, the male characters because I was, like... It kind of felt like it undercut things, whereas, like... They kept just being like, oh, this is a feminist agenda to get rid of all men. And I'm like, I understand it. This is written and the dialogue is written to come out of your mouth because you are a fucking idiot. And like, that's the reason why you're saying these lines, because you're a fucking idiot. And that's how you would feel. But I just felt like the repeated like um, jabs and things like that from the male characters kind of undercut the like the the possible seriousness of like what the film was actually talking about but i also um, i also completely understand why those characters were written that way because they are meant to represent like james davidson 365 221 on the internet like i'm sorry if there is actually someone with that username online it's not a personal attack but like you know what i mean like they are supposed to, yeah, to represent yeah, yeah, like yeah. random I username do think bunch one of, numbers of my on the favorite little lines that came out was when they're all going out of the door and she's like you don't have to go and he's like i do because my toxic masculinity won't let me not go and i'm like yeah 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 dude like that's true. And, like the thing is, I do think that the 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 satire and the humor in this movie like will um like go over a lot of people's heads. Like I think a lot of people will take this movie at face value and go, "Oh, it's written by a woman, so yeah, of course all the men are stupid and all the men hate women and like of course all the women are big and tough and powerful and like can defend themselves." Because I'm sure there's somebody that's going to interpret that way. But like what you have to understand is the film is framed in such a way that the characters aren't written like that to represent a specific agenda. They are supposed to represent the way that each character sees each other. So the way that the men are written is how the characters in this film view them based on how they come across. And, and not vice just that versa. as well. The men are written very much like how women are generally written in yeah. films. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I definitely don't think that this movie is out there saying like the things that it's been accused of saying. How however, it is nice to actually watch a horror movie that kind of takes the ridiculousness of like 80 slasher movies where women are just meat for the grinder and go, you know what? Fuck it. It's 2021 when this movie came out. Like, times have changed. Like, this isn't how this would go anymore. Like, and like, I like that. Like, I like I like the fact that they went, you know, there, there are, are like situations like this where, you know, this this would happen and it would happen like this. And I thought it was very, I thought it was very clever in those kind of like winks and like nods and things that it did. Um, The kills in this movie, I can kind of take or leave. Uh, A lot of stuff off screen, which was disappointing. Yeah. I assume due to budgetary reasons, 
rather than like actual uh, not wanting to show them. Because there's one in particular, the car kill, which I think would have been really cool if you saw some aftermath or actually saw like it happening. Um, I like the one kill I did like is the, and I can't believe this is a sentence I'm about to say, the guitar versus power drill duel, uh, where the guitar string gets caught up in the power drill yeah. and it just fucking minces the dude's face. And like, you see his face afterwards and all the blood's coming out. I thought that was quite cool. Uh, I also like the fact that the guitar was a nod to Slumber Party Massacre 2, where the dude is like a slick greaser and he's got the guitar. Um, I like a couple of like, I thought a couple of the chase sequences were really good. The scene where they trap him at the end or towards the end, I thought was really clever. Like the way that they lure him into the house by making him think that he's like got one of them. Yeah. And then they all attack him. I thought was really clever. I thought it was really well done. I didn't think the movie was scary, but I don't necessarily think that the film was intended to be scary. Um, And let's be honest, I don't think slasher movies are particularly scary. Like, No. There are a couple of bullshit jump scares in this movie that I could have done without, but that's par for the course with slasher movies. Um, Also, we never really found out what happened to the dogs. He's killing them. Yeah, but like... Why? Why? Because he's insane. Because I like the bears again, and I'm like cocaine. Bears. The I was bears. like, I was like, my man, cocaine bears. Uh, sorry, my girl, cocaine bears, not rolling up in these woods like eating these fucking dogs, bro. But like, I thought that was just a weird little subplot. They were like, oh yeah, all these dogs are gone missing. They're like, yeah, bears, and I'm like, mm. yeah. I was like, is he is he eating the dogs? Like, is he Michael Myers? And I don't know, babe. I don't really don't really want to think about it to be honest. Um, but yeah, what did you think of like the kills? I thought it was quite a toned down film, like kill wise, personally. Yeah, it was quite toned down. I liked that. I did like the uh, car kill mm. with the fucking rotator blade. That was really cool. Um, but yeah, they were all quite toned down. And you are right; most of them happened off screen. I like how he. Get, I like how when Ross is alive, he's like the driller killer, and then when he dies, Mum becomes the generic DIY hardware killer. She yes. uses like. The electric saw on the one dude, it goes through his chest. Yeah. She uses the nail gun. She uses, like, the rotary blade in the car. Like, I was like, okay. I was like, you are stupidly obsessed with hardware products, like, as a family. Like, do you, is there not, was there not a lot for you guys to do growing up? No. Just become, like, a weird, like, hardware family. Um, But yeah, I mean, for me, I think this movie was a lot better than I was expecting it to be. And I don't know if it was purposely framed that way. Like, I don't know if the first half of this movie is purposely designed to be like, oh, this is a really boring slasher movie. And then it kicks into gear and you're like, okay, I'm fucking awake now. Yeah. Or if it's just not very well made in the first half. Mm. But, like, direction-wise, I do think, like, coming off of the back of uh, the Banana Splits movie... I don't think this was as good as the Banana Splits movie. However, I do think Danishka Esterhazy is another one of those those filmmakers that, like, with the right script, with the right budget, like, she could do something really special. Yeah. Like we saw with, like, Lee Janiak, like we have seen with, like, Gigi Sol Guerrero um, and, like, other filmmakers. Um, I think if you gave her a segment of, like, VHS, I think she would smash it. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, I had quite low expectations going into this movie and I was quite surprised by how much I actually ended up enjoying it. But like, I guess the last thing we should probably talk about before we, we get to wrapping this episode up. What did you think of the characters? Eh. Uh, eh is kind of my feeling towards them. Because it's implied towards the end of the film, well, that's like the thing before the end of the film, is that they were all actually playing characters Pictures yeah. of like women in horror films, so like the slutty one, the dumb one, blah blah blah. Yeah, you never actually and get to see them as them. They never really do anything with that other yeah. than like, um, what's her face fixing the car? Ashley. What's the point of it? Yeah. Yeah, you never actually really see much of the girls as the girls. You only ever see them playing, mm. like, the roles that they're supposed to be And playing. also, like, Alex never questions it. Yeah. Because Alex isn't involved in the plan. She just tags along. Mm. And, like, obviously, a bunch of these girls aren't acting like they would normally behave. And she doesn't question it. Yeah. She's just like, okay, whatever. Yeah, like, I'd be like, why? Why is your voice like that? What are you? Because it's because it. Yeah, because the implication is that obviously they're all childhood friends. So therefore, Alex, being Maeve's younger sister, would have grown up around these girls. Yeah. So she would have an inkling of like, or at least some kind of like idea of who they are. Yeah. Unless they act differently around her, I don't know. But there's no point in doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I hadn't really considered that until you said that. But yeah, that's a very good observation. Mm-hmm. Um, well done, you. Gold star. Thanks, babes. Um, but yeah, I I mean, I I don't think the characters themselves was the point no. of the film. And I think like it's hard with a movie like this to kind of really get attached to any of the characters because the movie's messaging and the movie what the movie is trying to do is so much more than the characters and i i think they made the the female characters just about relatable enough where you're like okay i don't really want any of these to die but mm-hmm. also they made it so that it's easy for you to recognize people in your own life um they're not trying to create like a sydney prescott or a fucking laurie strode when they made this movie they're just like Okay, these girls need to be relatable enough and like just just intelligent enough that what they're doing makes sense and like you believe it when they start taking fucking cookie sheets and baseball bats to my man's face. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean I would say probably like the actual characterization of the characters is probably the movie's weakest moment. Yeah. But again, we are dealing with a low budget remake of a low budget 80s film. So, you know, what do you expect? Yeah. And the guy characters, wow, they're just every fucking, like, wanting to get his dick wet jock in any fucking one of these movies. And to be honest, I didn't like any of them. I thought they were all dickheads. I liked the two that show up at the cabin. Mm. I don't remember what they're called. Boy one and boy two. John is one of them. Yeah, and the other one. The other guy's like, I have a girlfriend, but oh shit, they have a knife in their pillow. Like, yeah. Like, I liked those two, because I do feel like they got the most to do, and I just found them quite amusing as, like, a double act. Mm-hmm. Also, fucking, their shower scene. Yeah. Thank you. Um, not because he's hot, just because I'm very happy to see a dude have to go through that. Um, Should have tanned his ass, though. Nah. I have a thing about tan lines, man. It really, really annoys me. Like, do you not, like, find it strange, like, when you see, like, people in, like, modelling pictures... 
And they're like, oh, hey, man, I'm naked, but, like, my boobs are white and my butt's white. And I'm like, but the rest of you is tanned, like... Or, like, when guys are like, hey, man, like, I'm tanned everywhere but my ass. I'm like, just fucking tan everything. It just looks weird. You look like a fucking drumstick lolly. Like, okay. it's so strange. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. The dude's ass was white. Um, but, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, I think I think the characters functioned well. Like, I think Ross is a good killer for someone who's basically just doing a hyperactive impression of, like, William Sadler. And, like, his, the woman who plays his mum, who plays Kay is overacting her fucking ass off in this movie and oh, it's yeah. fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. She is she is like going full Betsy Palmer in the end of Friday the thirteenth and it's fucking hilarious. Um but yeah like I I thought it was a decent film. Like I don't know if it's gonna be a film that I watch like often but for what it was I th- I was not bored watching it. I like enjoyed it for what it was. Um I would probably say if I'm rank if I'm rating it against like other things like I don't think it's as good as the Banana Splits movie. I also don't think it's as good as like a film like The Final Girls, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of also does a satirical type thing. However, I would say for for a, like an easy like fun watch on Shooter with a Doom Lout, probably like a three. I'd give it a three out of five, maybe. Yeah, I'd probably give it a solid like two point five three. Yeah, it's not terrible. It's like a, it's a wallpaper film. You could put it on in the background and like just look up every now and then and be like yeah something's happening this is cool like that dude's got his ass out like yeah let's go yeah um so yeah that's our thoughts on the 2021 remake of slumber party massacre have you guys seen it did you enjoy it did you not enjoy it like are you planning to watch it it is available on shudder if you guys want to watch it on shudder uh or you can pick it up on blu-ray i picked it up on blu-ray for like six quid i do have it on blu-ray even though we watched it on shudder um so yeah like it's it's worth a watch um, for those of you that have kept tabs on our social media, you'll know that next month we have released our, um, what am I saying, lineup for next month. Uh, I'll just give you the quick heads up if you haven't seen it. So for the month of July, which will be in the next couple of weeks, we are covering on the 3rd of July, Freddy vs. Jason. On the 7th of July, we will be doing a 5x5 for our top five horror movies that reflect our personalities. We have each picked five movies that we think reflects the other's personalities. I haven't done mine yet, but I will. It'll be done by the time this airs. Um, 10th of, 10th of Ju- July, we are doing the X-Files movie, a.k.a. the X-Files Fight the Future. On the 17th of July, we are doing Scream 2. On the 21st of July, we'll be doing a Crossing the Stream on Red State. On the 24th of July, we will be covering the original Poltergeist. And on the 31st of July... We are covering I Know What You Did last summer. So that's everything that's coming from us in July. We will be back on Monday as we continue our Zombies Month for the month of June with a look at 28 Days Later. And as always, guys, if you want to follow us on social media, you can hit us up on Twitter at S-I-M-A-H-F-Pod. So I'm married a horror fan, all lowercase, all one word on Tumblr and Instagram. And as always, get those notifications on, guys. Get following us because the fucking algorithms are shot to shit at the moment. So get the notifications on. Start following us on your favourite platforms. And once again, as always, thank you so much for your continued support. I've been Simon. I've been Lee. Stay spooky. Stay safe. Take care. Bye-bye.